Yes, and this other team that we had discussed going 0-2 was your Philadelphia Eagles. Carson Wentz just looks off. Is, it, is there anything more than that, or is he just rusty at the start of the season? I think it might be a rust thing. Um, still trying to get used to uh, a fairly new offense. His uh, offensive coordinator, Mike Groh, was uh, let go in the offseason. Um, so still some adjustments look like they're, they're being made there. It looks like uh, him and his, his chemistry with the receivers isn't quite there yet. Um, I did see a lot of good things from the Eagles yesterday uh, in the late second quarter, early third quarter that, that they can build on, but they just haven't been able to put it together uh, for anywhere close to an entire 60 minutes uh, for each of the first two weeks. But there have been some encouraging things um, that – and some things that they just need to figure out that that they should have time to, and the division looks pretty weak right now. Um, so I, I do think the Eagles, uh, they have to turn it around at some point and, and look at least a little bit better than this. The schedule is brutal ahead, so definitely not the start they wanted to get off to uh, these first two games. Definitely expected to win at least one of them. Um, but as for Wentz, I think uh, I think the first game in Washington, he was just being harassed all day by that great defensive line, uh, the Washington Football Team. But last week, the uh, or this this week, the offensive line really did hold their own, and I really think it was more of a, a chemistry thing. And and no one wants to hear it, but uh, it might be uh, between Wentz's ears right now. It might be something in his head, and he might be letting the criticism get to him. Who knows? But. I do think the Eagles are in good hands, hopefully, with Carson Wentz and uh, that they'll get this thing figured out soon. Yeah, for sure. The Eagles got to do a little bit of soul search- searching this week. But the Los Angeles Rams, on the other hand, have been pretty impressive to start off the season. You know, Dallas and Philadelphia, both very respectable opponents. And, you know, the Dallas game was a close game that they eked out at the end. But then this is a pretty dominating effort. You know, Jared Goffin turned the ball over this week. He had the three touchdowns. They had an effective running game, running for two touchdowns as well. This Los Angeles team, in what is probably the toughest division, the NFC West, isn't going to go quietly. Not at all, and I think there was uh, – Sean McVay looks like a man with a plan right now, and uh, he, he's, get, he's getting it done. Um, and you can tell his guys are playing with uh, fire under them. Uh, a lot of people definitely writing them off in the offseason with that tough division and a disappointing 9-7 and seven finish last year. Uh, for a team that's just two years removed from the Super Bowl. Um, they definitely looked like they were playing with a purpose these first two weeks. Uh, the offense looked really good, especially, I think. Uh, there's a lot you can do. You use Robert Woods to get the ball down the field. Uh, you don't want him to beat you deep, so you try to keep the ball in front of you, and he just picks up these 10, 15-yard gains uh, on so many plays. Uh, Cooper Cup, very good on third down. Uh, Tyler Higby with three touchdowns yesterday. Um one of them where he just flat out got behind the Eagles' defense uh, for a walk-in touchdown. Um, it definitely looked like uh, the Eagles weren't ready to handle the offensive system yesterday for the for the L.A. Rams. Um, Sean McVay definitely had his guys a lot more prepared for that game, and, and I think rightfully so. I do think the, the Eagles' last two wins in Los Angeles against them uh, in 2017 and 2018 were in his head. And uh, they came out and, and they played like it yesterday. Uh, I, I do think this was a great win for the Rams. They looked equally as good as the Eagles did bad. For sure. And let's say in the NFC West, if this is really the toughest division, let's take a look at what each of those teams did yesterday. The Arizona Cardinals, you know, the expectations were higher this year. This was the first year where, you know, Tyler Murray's second year, he can take that jump. 
You bring in DeAndre Hopkins, who is one of the best receivers in the NFL. And the expectation was there. Now it's up to them to respond to it. And so far they have. You know, are the Redskins or the Washington football team, I should say, an unbelievable team? No, but they beat the Niners on the road week one. This week, Kyler Murray comes out, has three total touchdowns. You know, he turned the ball over once, but that's fine for a young quarterback. One turnover is not going to end the game. It didn't. You know, they come out, get out to a 20 nothing lead at the half. You know, just running the ball down Washington's throat, which is not an easy thing to do, especially with that Washington defensive line. Hopkins looked dominant again. You know, even Larry Fitzgerald still kicking in 50 yards of receiving. There's just so many weapons on this team. Once you account for all of them, to still have to account for Kyler Murray's legs. You know, we'll see what happens when they get to a big game situation. But this is a team that, you know, with a little less attention on them each game day from opposing fans, I think has a very good opportunity to capitalize. It's a scary team, no doubt. And uh, I actually had them in the playoffs um, at the beginning of the season, and uh, they're making me look really good right now. Um, definitely, uh, they look especially good on offense, and the acquisition of uh, DeAndre Hopkins um, has been huge for them. It's paid immediate dividends, uh, two for two, and, and having two very good games to begin the season. Uh, Kyler Murray's picking up right where he left off. He showed a lot of encouraging things last year. Um, DeAndre Hopkins, I think, is, is huge for him as far as a weapon that kind of opens up the field for him a little bit. Uh, there's really not much that Kyler Murray can't do. I mean, he can run the ball, he get outside the pocket, he can make plays with his legs. Uh, he's got a great arm. He takes care of the football. Um, and, and this offense is going to be tough. They're going to put up points playing like this. And uh, definitely the Washington football team, I think you'd agree, their best unit is their defense. And uh, the Cardinals didn't seem to be phased by that at all yesterday. They had no problem moving the ball up and down the field. Uh, no problem with that defensive line of the Washington football team, uh, especially with some shaky spots on that Cardinals offensive line. Um, they look like they really have it together on both sides of the football these first couple weeks. Uh, and I think a lot of people started to realize they were for real when they beat the 49ers in San Fran. Um, definitely the people who didn't believe it, I think, are starting to believe it now. They look they look like they're going to be tough to beat this year. For sure. And staying with San Francisco, they rebounded this week with a win at the Meadowlands um, in that 31-13 win over the Jets. But they did not come out a healthy football team. Jimmy Garoppolo with the ankle injury. Raheem Mostert also hurt. And now Nick Bosa announced tonight out for the season with a torn ACL. They were talking last night on the Sunday Night Football Halftime Show, Tony Dungy, whether this team could recover from all these injuries. And, you know, we don't know the mental strength of this team coming and losing in the Super Bowl last year. Then they lose week one um, in a game that, you know, they probably could have had against Arizona. It was at home against an inexperienced team, and they couldn't get it done. Garoppolo looked pretty good in the first half. Again, he did not play at all in the second half. And you'd think they have enough depth at running back, but do they have enough depth without Nick Bosa, potentially without Raheem Mostert or Jimmy Garoppolo? to still be competitive in this division. I mean, their next three games are all very winnable games. They got the Giants on the road. They'll probably stay out east, play two games in a row in New York. They have the Eagles back at home on Sunday night, and then a game at home against the Dolphins. Those are all three winnable games. They should at least get them the first and the last. Um, it'll be a real test of this team with their lack of depth right now. Again, we don't know. We haven't seen an injury report. 
but they're already without George Kittle. So can this team stay competitive if it doesn't look like Arizona or Seattle is going to stop winning anytime soon? Well, if you, if you thought the Eagles were bad with the injuries, uh, just take a look at the San Francisco 49ers. Pretty much anybody, all the household names on that team is hurt right now, and uh, it's definitely going to be tough for them uh, depending on uh, – there's a lot we don't know about timetables for, for these guys returning. Uh, but it's going to be tough for them to win uh, without a lot of these uh, huge contributors, you know, big playmakers. Uh, as you mentioned, Garoppolo, Bosa, Mostert, uh, you know, you name it, um, uh, among others. Uh, already, again, without Kittle. Um, so this is this is going to be a tough road ahead for the 49ers, but uh, the schedule definitely works out for them. I do think they'll be able to take two of those games, if not three, of their next uh, their next three games. Uh, that that game in New York against the Giants might be a little bit of a trap game for them. I feel like uh, the Giants have played uh, somewhat competitive football so far, and uh, they could have a chance to upset the 49ers at home uh, playing the 49ers playing without a lot of their uh, biggest weapons. Um, but definitely three winnable games ahead for the 49ers. I do think they'll take two of them regardless of their health, and uh, once they get some guys back returning, uh, things should get a little easier for them, but it always seems like that's that Super Bowl runner-up or that Super Bowl champ uh, has it a lot tougher the next season, and we've definitely seen that so far with the Niners. For sure. They do not have the easiest road now going forward, but staying in that NFC West, we got one more team to get to, and that was the Seattle Seahawks, who had a very impressive win last night on Sunday Night Football. Russell Wilson proved again why I still think he's the best quarterback in the NFL, going for five touchdowns, adding almost 40 more yards on the ground. That game got close at the end, but Seattle ultimately dominated. Yeah, great effort by the Seattle Seahawks, uh, but really I was more encouraged by the performance of the New England Patriots. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of question marks about them going into the season. Uh, a lot of unknown, obviously, with the departure of Tom Brady and, and some other key guys on both sides of the ball, but that defense looks really, they looked really good in, in week one, and, and yesterday Russell Wilson uh, just carved them up, but it looks like it's more of a Seahawks offense kind of thing. I mean, to do that to such a good Patriots defense, uh, they're the real deal, and, and I had them at 12 wins uh, at the beginning of the season. They look like they're at least a 12-win team uh, with their offense playing like this as they continue to get healthy on the defensive side of the ball. This is a really scary team. They could be your number one seed in the NFC. Um, Russell Wilson is just, uh, he's developed into one of the best quarterbacks in the game. Uh, I, I definitely don't think there's any debate about that at this point. He's proved all he's needed to prove. Uh, doing what he did last night, prime time against that Patriots defense, uh, unbelievable. But as for the Patriots, no shame in that loss. Uh, mm -hmm. To come back the way they did and be uh, a, like a yard or two away from winning the game uh, in that last play. You'd probably take the Patriots if, if you knew it would come down to that play with Cam Newton. Seahawks with a big play, uh, just being the winning team they are, getting the stuff there at the goal line. But a great football game by uh, two really good football teams that should really have good seasons based on last night's performances. Uh, really, you got to be encouraged by that Patriots offense. For sure, definitely encouraged. Cam Newton made... 29 teams look really bad last night for passing up on him, um, going to the Patriots for a pretty much league minimum salary, going for almost 400 yards last night. And he was effective on the ground too. Again, still running the ball for 11 times worries me a little bit. He took some big hits, but I think the passing attack being there was crazy good. 
Julian Edelman, you know, just his second game with Cam Newton, has a career high in receiving yards of 179. But the real surprise to me were Nikhil Harry and Demir Bird. Nikhil Harry had that big fumble last weekend right on the goal line, and Cam Newton stuck his neck out for him and said, look, he's too talented for us to give up on him, and Cam's right, and, you know, that happens. And Harry responded with eight catches for 72 yards. That catch in the first quarter when Quandre Diggs got ejected, Harry got absolutely lit up. I don't know how he stayed in that game. Um, but, you know, Diggs went straight into his head on a defenseless receiver. Those are the exact hits that the NFL needs to get rid of and should. And that was definitely a proper ejection by them. There was some debate whether that kind of hit warrants an ejection. If it doesn't warrant an ejection, then it's going to keep happening. And Harry got lucky that he was not hurt. But Demir Bird is another one of those, you know, kind of fringe receivers that with Tom Brady a lot of times didn't work. You know, he wouldn't always have trust in them or, you know, if they dropped a couple or weren't right on their route, you know, he'd give up on them, you could say. Bird had six catches last night. He was very effective. A lot of them were simple out routes or slants, but there were a couple big ones on third down that even just to have a third guy out there that they had to put the nickel corner on, really opened up that middle of the field for Julian Edelman and allowed them, you know, that opportunity to just spread it out just that tiny bit more, give Cam that extra second of time, because that's all Cam needs. He showed he's still a legit NFL starting quarterback last night. And with that little time, you know, his mechanics are improving. His shoulders were all over the place week one. They were still not great week two, but he's starting to flatten them out just a little bit. You know, Josh McDaniels, you can see, is really working with him on the sideline, and Cam is, you know, trying to bring it all in. He realizes who he's working with and what impact this could have on his career, and he seems to be fully bought in. They didn't win the game last night, but in my opinion, the best player on the field last night was Cam Newton. And uh, considering, you know, the circumstances of of him just coming there in the offseason and having to learn a whole new offense and really at a big transition point in his career with so many question marks, um, he's turning them into exclamation points, no doubt. Uh, just flying across the field, uh, making plays with his legs, um, doesn't look afraid to take the hits, which you know obviously needs to be addressed, but at the same time, you like the, the aggressiveness on his part. He is going to get the yards. Um, and just making things happen, uh, spreading the ball around to so many different receivers, but you really have to be encouraged, especially by his rapport with Julian Edelman. Um, you definitely want to feature your, your best receiver. Edelman is still that guy in New England, uh, doing a great job getting him the football. Uh, great offensive scheme by McDaniels and, and Belichick and the Patriots. Um, and just a great all-around performance by, by really everybody on that offense. But Cam Newton making plays uh, is, is the key, the engine to keep that offense running. Uh, and they did, they did a great job last night despite the loss. For sure. And staying in the AFC East, you know, it's always been the Patriots division for the last, say, 15 years at least. And, you know, there's times where another team comes along and, oh, maybe they'll give them a run. And, you know, it's the Jets with Mark Sanchez. It was the Ryan Tannehill Dolphins. Now, for the last couple of years, it's been the Josh Allen-led Buffalo Bills. And with Sean McDermott, they've been a legit team. And, you know, they were a playoff team last year, deservedly so. But this year, there's been a strong group of people saying, you know, they could actually win the division. And, you know, personally, I've been like, you know, they're a good team. I won't doubt that. But as long as Bill Belichick's in New England, will he be outcoached by a guy like Sean McDermott? But Josh Allen is starting to show that he might 
be capable of being a division-winning quarterback. You know, they go out and get him Stephon Diggs, which is huge. For a young quarterback, have someone better than John Brown or Cole Beasley. Nothing against them. They both had pretty good games yesterday. But Stephon Diggs is a game-changer. And that's something Buffalo hasn't really had on offense in a long time. You know, the running backs are good enough. Devin Singletary's fine. But they got it done through the air. Josh Allen had 417 yards. Didn't turn the ball over. You know, Diggs with over 150 yards receiving. And he was spreading it around. Diggs just brings so much space to everyone else on the offense. And he might be the guy that pushes this team over the top. Well, he's kind of like the addition, uh, the the Arizona Cardinals version, uh, DeAndre Hopkins. For sure. Uh, what, what he does, what he brings to that Bills offense and spreading the field, you know, you have a real big play threat uh, in Stephon Diggs and, you know, not only a threat to get behind the defense, but also to just go up and make plays um, on some big third and fourth and longs. I mean, you just, it's going to be hard to get off the field against these Bills. And with Josh Allen looking the way he is, and, you know, carrying his team to the playoffs last year. Uh, this is going to be a tough team to beat, and it's really anybody's guess. I think it's between the Patriots and the Bills. That looks obvious at this point. Who knows if either the Dolphins or Jets will, you know, stand up there in that division. But uh, right now it looks looks to be a two-team race, uh, two very talented teams. Uh, I do think the Patriots have actually looked better in the first two games um, as as an entire team. Uh, I think the Bills still have some things that they're trying to figure out. Uh, they definitely haven't looked the greatest through the first two games, uh, but they are 2-0. They are leading the division. Uh, Josh Allen is special. He's absolutely proven that at this point. Uh, I'm really looking forward. I don't know about you, but I'm really looking forward to those Bills-Patriots games. It's going to be uh, two very difficult games for uh, for both teams. And the Patriots, uh, for the Patriots, the days of uh, – Counting that as an easy win on the schedule are over. The Bills are here to stay in the playoffs two of the last three years, and they definitely appear to be on their way to one of those seven spots this year. I can't wait for those games. Exactly. Week 8 at Buffalo, we'll get our first uh, taste of Bills-Patriots football. But something that just has to be addressed is what happened in Dallas this weekend with the Falcons. They had a higher chance of winning that game than they did when they were up 28-3 to against the Patriots. In the 28-3 Super Bowl, they had a 99.5% chance of winning with 2 minutes and 10 seconds left in the third quarter. In the fourth quarter last, or yesterday, they had a 99.6% chance. They found a way to blow both games, which, you know, you can say all you want about the Dallas comeback. Dak Prescott looked great. He led them down the field. He did what it took. But the onside kick, Atlanta just straight up didn't know the rule. And if you're Dan Quinn, you know, You've been barely hanging on to your job for probably at least the last two years. Now you have your guys going out not even knowing the rule on an onside kick. They kick the ball and are waiting for it to go 10 yards before they jump on it. That's not how an onside kick works. And every NFL player should know that. And to lose a game in that fashion, I don't know how you can walk into your locker room and expect your players to follow you. Like, if you're the Blank family, how has he not already been fired? You know, multiple years ago, but now especially after this. Well, you definitely appreciate he's got his guys fighting at least, and that's something that, that has never wavered there. They've always fought for Dan Quinn. Um, he always has them competitive. But the mistake, the same old mistakes just keep coming back to bite him. And at some point you really have to wonder that very question. Um, definitely, I'm sure Falcons fans at this point um, have definitely had enough of the guy. 
Um, there's absolutely no excuse for that game to transpire the way it did when you when you have that big of a lead. Um, you know, it's up to it's up to your defense and your offense to go out there and close the game out. They weren't able to do that, uh, but still, it came down to that onside kick. And uh, as much as there's not an excuse for the rest of the stuff, there's definitely no excuse for not knowing the rule. And to me, that just shows a lack of preparedness. And, uh, you know, something's got to be done there in Atlanta. They, they got to fix something. Uh, somebody's not getting through to somebody. There's no excuse for the players not to know the rules. Um, you have to jump on that football uh, when, you, when you have the opportunity to. Um, it was just clear they didn't know the rule. Um, no question about it. They were waiting for it to go 10 yards, and uh, it ended up costing them the football game. Um, but just a, just a terrible loss and an already um, – escalating bad situation down there in Atlanta for Dan Quinn. Um, and you really have to wonder uh, if another loss like that might cost him his job. If that one doesn't, um, just an inexcusable loss all around on, uh, on all sides of the ball for Atlanta, even though the offense played well, they were not able to close out the game. That's been a recurring problem under Dan Quinn. Um, so it definitely is not a good look for the Falcons. Certainly. And it doesn't get a whole lot easier for them either. They play the two and O Chicago bears being led by Mitchell Trubisky now all of a sudden looks like the Mitchell Trubisky of two years ago again. And then they get Green Bay on Monday night. So we'll see if Dan Quinn is still coaching after week four. Something crazy has happened there. But speaking of, I think, one more big game that we have not touched on yet. Another 0-2 team. After losing a shootout to Green Bay week one, Minnesota got embarrassed this weekend by Indianapolis. You know, Indianapolis could surprise people. They lost to Jacksonville week one. And they... Give them credit. Had a pretty good game this week. They did what it took to win. Jonathan Taylor, 21-year-old running back, rushes for 100 yards in his first career NFL start. I mean, you got to give credit where credit's due, but on paper, Minnesota is an incredibly superior football team here, and they just didn't show up. Yeah, two weeks in a row, that defense did not show up. Um, especially surprising after getting unique and Gawkway. Um, definitely two very disappointing efforts on the defensive side of the ball. I did not have the Colts uh, finishing anywhere close to one of those seven playoff spots this year, and, and I still don't, although they definitely played a good all-around football game yesterday. But I think the Vikings made them look good, if anything. A very surprisingly bad start for the Minnesota Vikings, who I had winning that division, that, NFC, that packed NFC North. I had them coming out on top. I thought this was going to be their year to do it. Uh, they still have a lot of pieces from that 13 and 3 2017 team, uh, and a lot of great new weapons. Also, um, they're a team that's been to the playoffs. They've they've been to the big moment. Beating New Orleans uh, was a real high for them last year in the playoffs. Um, adding Unique and Gopway uh, right before the season started, and uh, to lose the first two games of your season the way they've lost them, uh, definitely a horrible nightmare start for. Minnesota Vikings, they got to figure things out quick. Uh, uh, it was more a defensive issue in, uh, in game one of the season. Last week was more of an offensive issue. Uh, they couldn't get anything going against the probably average at best Colts defense. Mm -hmm. um, things have to change there in Minnesota. You have to wonder how much uh, losing Stefan Diggs is hurting them. Yeah, I was going to bring that up. You know, we talked about the difference he's made for Buffalo. You could say he's made the same difference in the opposite direction for Minnesota. But one, I know we said one last one, but the San Diego or the Los Angeles Chargers, Tyrod Taylor has chest pains before the game, can't go. So all of a sudden, Justin Herbert is thrown into the fire. Um, 
It's his first start as a rookie, and he was great. 311 yards through the air. He was running the ball a little bit, too. You know, keeping the ball mostly secure. He had a turnover, but he put his team in a really good position to win against a Kansas City team that, you know, had looked great week one. He got them out to a lead, you know, especially there's a big difference, too, with being prepared to start and, you know, going through the motions as the starter. That was not the case. Obviously, you know, he's a pro. He's expected to prepare as if he's going to play, and I'm sure he did. But being told right before the game, hey, buddy, you're in, and going out and having a performance like that. I know Anthony Lynn had said when Tyrod Taylor's healthy, it's his job. But I would find that very hard to believe or at least justify how you cannot give the reins to Justin Herbert after that performance. Well, to me, that shows that Justin Herbert is no doubt the leader that that team needs. And there were a lot of questions about his leadership ability and his ability to lead a football team um, Come after the draft coming into the season. Um, there was definitely a lot of speculation that he would take over uh, just in a matter of time for Tyrod Taylor at some point. It definitely happened a little bit earlier. Definitely our thoughts with Tyrod Taylor as he recovers. Um, but I, I can't see them not giving him the reins. I mean, he looked absolutely phenomenal yesterday, and it's a lot to ask uh, for somebody that young with no experience to, to go up against a, a Super Bowl favorite and – and definitely more so on the off- offensive side of the ball, uh, granted. But still, that that's a legitimate Kansas City defense that's going to be very important to their success and was very important to their success last year. Um, just a great effort by Justin Herbert. He looked uh, he looked like he's been in the league 10 years, the way he was throwing the ball around, making plays, uh, putting them in a position to win. But how about the Kansas City Chiefs finding a way to win that game uh, as Patrick Mahomes has done so many times. A third and 20, he scrambles and picks it up. Uh, hits Tyreek Hill for a long touchdown, just doing the things that we've become so accustomed to him doing. Um, and that's just part of what makes that team so tough to beat. They don't bring their A game, and they still walk out of there with a comeback victory um, against the 1-0 team. Uh, not a lot of people I, I really don't think would have had them in playoff position, but uh, definitely the Chargers have been legitimate through these first two games. But what a win for the Kansas City Chiefs, uh, a game that they probably should not have won. Patrick Mahomes once again bails them out. Exactly. That's the difference between the good teams and the great teams. You know, the good teams, when they have their A game, they win. The great teams, when they don't have their A game, they still win. You know, Justin Herbert put his team in a position to win. The defense, unfortunately, couldn't hold on for him. But Kansas City, you know, they showed up when it mattered. They were non-existent. It was like they were still in Kansas City for the whole first quarter. No one showed up. You know, they got it together in enough time, luckily. And like you said... When it mattered most, Hill and Mahomes came up with the big plays and were able to get it done. And we are just past the top of the hour here on the Spin Around Sports with Ryan Pacino and Patrick Connors on 89.1 FM, WXVU, Villanova Radio. So we'll give a quick sports headlines update and then we will be back in just a second. Right now, it is Monday Night Football. The Saints are out to a 10-0 lead with 20 seconds left. In the first quarter over the Las Vegas Raiders. And actually that game is now in the second quarter. The Raiders have just got the ball back. There are no games tonight in the NBA. Tomorrow night is game three. The Lakers looking to go up 3-0 over the Denver Nuggets. In the Stanley Cup playoffs after the first period. The Tampa Bay Lightning are out to a 3-0 lead over the Dallas Stars. Goals from Andre Palat. 
Braden Point and Kevin Shattenkirk. Steven Stamkos participated in the morning skate. He did not play. That is the Tampa Bay captain who has not played yet in the bubble. He is getting closer. MLB games in progress in the seventh inning is the Nationals 3 and the Phillies 1. The Indians have increased their lead to 7-4 over the White Sox in the 8th. The Blue Jays out to a 9-1 lead over the struggling Yankees. The Reds have a 2-1 lead over the Brewers in the 7th. The Cubs up 2-0 on the Pirates. The Rays have a 2-1 lead over the Mets. And it is the Braves 5, the Marlins 3 in the 5th inning at Atlanta. Out in Kansas City, the Cardinals have a 1-0 lead over Kansas City. And still to come tonight, the Astros are in Seattle to take on the Mariners. And the Rockies will play the Giants. That game coming up in just about 45 minutes. The NHL had their awards today. Leon Dreisaitl won his first Hart Trophy as MVP of the league. The Norris Trophy for top defense went to Roman Yossi. The Vezima to Connor Halbach. And the Calder Trophy to Kale McCarr. The NHL first team all-star was Connor Halbach, John Carlson, Roman Yossi, Leon Dreisaitl, David Pasternak, and Artemi Panarin. Those were all first-time winners for the first time since 1930-31, and that was the first year of the award. Those are your WXVU sports headlines. We'll have the next update in about 25 minutes at the bottom of the hour. We'll have a quick break and be right back talking baseball on 89.1 FM, WXVU, Villanova Radio. this is Nick Langan with that your was three-day weather no, forecast <laughs> for the main line. Clear and chilly tonight, a low down to 40 degrees. Yeah, I, didn't, I didn't want to bring up James we'll see White. sunshine for your Tuesday. Oh, I, I Temperatures I forgot. 72. Yeah. And it'll That's be warmer horrible. for your Wednesday. And again, we may see some of that wildfire no smoke in the no sky. From well, Robert Kraft will be offered to fly him to Miami and keep them up. 78 on Wednesday. You're listening to Villanova Radio 89.1 WX. You want to talk baseball? Yeah, that sounds good. Villanova University's WXVU Villanova. Online at wxvu.villanova.edu or listen on the TuneIn app. Search WXVU. The Villanova Tech Zone is a free resource for helping students, faculty, and staff troubleshoot their technological needs. Contact us at 610-519-7777. Chat with us online or visit at the law school, Falvey Library, or New Commons office. For more information on their latest procedures and protocols, visit them at unit.villanova.edu. Arts, engineering, nursing, and science students can be like our co-host Ryan and own a business minor in one summer and add a valuable component to their academic and professional credentials through VSB's 10-week, 16-credit Summer Business Institute. Learn more by attending any one of the fall information sessions, which will be virtual. Peruse the SBI website at business.villanova.edu/sbi. 
or call 610-519-5532 to schedule an individual appointment to discuss further. All right, and it is 9.07 here in the East, and we are talking Major League Baseball here on the Spin Around Sports. If you want to communicate with the show, you got an opinion, tweet me at PatrickWXVU, and we will get that through to the air. But, Ryan, right now talking baseball, a lot has changed in the last week as we are getting very close to the end of the season. We've talked about some races that are really heating up, especially that National Wild Card League wild card race. Right now, where are we sitting right there, and how do you see this playing out? Uh, just an incredible race in the National League for uh, that second or those both wild card spots. Uh, so right now you have the Phillies, uh, game over 500, a half game up on three teams, all tied for that eighth and final playoff spot in the National League. Uh, all with the record of 500, the uh, Cincinnati Reds, Milwaukee Brewers, and San Francisco Giants. Uh, so two of those four teams will be in the playoffs. Uh, two of those four teams will be going home for October. Um, just an unbelievable race. I really couldn't tell you uh, what's going to happen. Um, there, there's been just a lack of consistency on the part of all four of those teams uh, all season long. Uh, none of them really ever hovering uh Hovering around 500 all season, never really uh, going too far from 500. Uh, it should come right down to the very end. Uh, just an incredible race there. Um, and really making the MLB's move uh, to make it 16 teams in the playoffs look really good because this thing's going to come down to the very end. Yeah, exactly. You know, all, any attention that the MLB can bring to their product right now is definitely needed. They've Never really competed against the NFL, NBA, and NHL all at the same time. And this National League wildcard race is certainly very intriguing. Again, you know, it will it might take only 500 ball to make the playoffs this year. You know, with just eight games remaining for most teams, someone who I definitely like in this scenario is Milwaukee. Um, it's really hard to bet against a team that has the reigning MVP on it with Christian Yelich when the lights become the brightest is generally when he shows up. You know, he's not always the most prolific player when he's out there, but when his team needs him, that is when we will start to see Christian Yelich. And even if, you know, he might not have had his best season, you know, things have not really worked out as they might have necessarily hoped in Milwaukee. They definitely had higher expectations, but, you know, they could have traded Josh Hader at the deadline, gotten a big return for him. They stuck with them. You know, they believed in this team. When your MVP is batting 215, eventually that will turn itself around for sure. You know, they've really had very limited consistency from really anyone this season. But if they can put a couple games together with the veterans they have, like Ryan Braun, Jed Yoko, um, Christian Yelich at this point is probably considered a veteran. You know, they can maybe make something happen here. Yeah, they're definitely playing good ball right now. Probably their best ball of the season. Uh, six and four in their last ten games. Uh, they had been really for a couple weeks just hovering four games below 500. they They've gotten their record back to 500. Uh, and you remember from last year and the year before, they're very good late in the season. Uh, great September runs each of the last two seasons, uh, especially last season after losing Christian Yelich uh, going on a 16-2 and two stretch. Um, that propelled them into the playoffs uh, as that last wild card back when it was uh, only five teams getting in. Um, but definitely the Brewers have the right personnel. They have the right veterans in, in that locker room. 
uh, to get the job done. Um, and they have some some good young pitching that seemed to have found itself here late in the season. Uh, but ultimately, a lot's going to fall on Christian Yelich. He's the engine that makes that offense run. And uh, he's going to have to hit for them to get in. But that's definitely something he's shown that he can do and that he's shown he can do quite easily. So the Brewers are a good bet. Uh, you also got to love the Cincinnati Reds. Um, they were my pick to win that division uh, at the beginning of the season. They're now 500 at 27 and 27. Similarly to the Brewers, they've been hovering a little below 500 uh, all season long. Uh, eight and two over their last 10 games. Uh, a lot of people counting them out of it, and they have come right back uh, to get tied for that last playoff spot. Uh, they definitely had the pitching to do it. Um, the way they're playing right now, they look like they really have things figured out. They're tough to beat. Uh, it's going to be tough not not to think that they're going to be one of those uh, one of those two teams. Uh, it's really I couldn't tell you what's going to happen. It's going to come right down to the very end. You know, the Phillies have an incredible offense, awful pitching, so it's really a coin toss whether or not they're going to win. And the San Francisco Giants, how about them? They've been probably uh, one of the biggest surprises of the season. Uh, They've gotten some excellent starting pitching, um, and you know, you got to give them a lot of credit for staying in there a lot longer than people thought. And But what really impresses me about them is their ability to score runs. They've been scoring a lot more runs than I think people would have expected from that offense. So if they've stayed in it to this point, no reason that they couldn't stay in it until the end. Uh, but how about the Chicago Cubs running away with the NL Central? Three and a half games up right now. Um Really, a lot of credit to them with the, you know, with the coaching change. David Ross coming in there. Definitely a lot of questions about uh, his relationships with the players. A lot of them teammates over the years. He's done a great job with that team over the sixty-game season, and uh, they look like they're going to be a, a threat in the National League. For sure, I think you know, there's the Giants and the Reds are about as opposite of teams as you can get. You know, the Reds are fully reliant on their pitching. Trevor Bauer, you know, he's got a fire lit under him, and that's. A great thing for them. His trash can cleats this week I thought were great. Um, you know, he does not mess around. He does not take no from anyone. He goes out and he lets his performance speak for itself. In the area of 1.8 right now. He's in a contract year and he's playing for a big one. Um, whereas this San Francisco team, every batter on the San Francisco team that qualifies for the batting title has a better batting average than the worst guy uh, or than the best guy on the Cincinnati Reds. Like you said, they are all offense. You know, they have guys like Donovan Solano coming out, leading their team, batting over 300. I don't think you could hold it against anyone for never having heard of this guy coming into this year. You know, he's bounced around on the Marlins, on the Yankees for a little bit, been out of baseball for a while, and he's coming out and having a career season. You know, he was never actually a horrible hitter. Um, he turned it on in the second half of last year, too. But he's really come out of nowhere, and they've just gotten performances from guys like that all over the place. It's not the young guys for them. It's a lot of vets who are coming out and showing that they still got it. You know, Mike Yastrzemski is still an incredible story. Making his major league debut last year at age 28. You know, Carl Yastrzemski's grandson, he just continues to jack home runs. He had 21 last year. He's got another nine this year. The San Francisco team is certainly fun. You know, they're a team you'd like to see make the playoffs. Um, I would obviously pull for Milwaukee. I think they have the best chance, but San Francisco's a team I would probably want to see there the most just to, you know, see what they can do. 
You know, they still got some decent pitching, too, with Johnny Cueto. You know, this team could be a real disruptor in October. Well, if they get in, I feel like just the way Gabe Kapler is, um, analytics heavy, obviously knowing him very well, two years in Philadelphia, didn't go the way we had all hoped, but it was good at times. Uh, the, the 2018 Phillies, a team that nobody expected to do really anything, uh, 15 games over 500 on August 5th and in first place by a game and a half over the Atlanta Braves. Um, and everybody loved the job Gabe Kapler was doing. Uh, just an incredible improvement from a team a year removed from 96 losses. Um, had them there. They fell off in September, and it was bad. They finished the season two games below 500. But Gabe Kapler had a, a not a very good team ready to go, and that's what he's done this year. Uh, he's done a great job with the San Francisco Giants and their young guys. Um, he's bringing out the best in some of the veterans, too, like Donovan Solano. feels like he's been around forever. But I think with these 60-game season, season we're having, it's bringing out the best in a lot of these guys. I think that's what you're seeing with the Giants. Uh, def- the way Gabe Kapler likes to use analytics, I think uh, the Los Angeles Dodgers would not want to see them in a three-game series in that, in that first series. Uh, that would be a very difficult draw for the L.A. Dodgers uh, against the team that has played so many good teams so tough all season long. Look out for the Giants if they get in. Exactly, and with these three-game series in the beginning round, you know, you just got to get to the dance and anything can happen. You know, three games, you pick up a lucky win, and all of a sudden you're playing to eliminate Los Angeles Dodgers. Like, a team like the Giants can really believe in themselves in that. But I think going to the AL quickly, that wild card race isn't nearly as close. But a team that's now gotten a pretty steady grab on that eighth spot is the Toronto Blue Jays, and they got the Yankees even now in their sights. Now four games back heading into tonight. Right now the Blue Jays are beating up on the Yankees at Rogers Center. Teoscar Hernandez is healthy again. Um, he had missed a few games. They got Guriel Jr. also hitting over 300. This team is an offensive powerhouse, and that's with Vladimir Guerrero Jr., you know, not really meeting expectations. And, you know, the pitching's been there too. You know, you got Tanner Roy. Tongjin Ryu coming, great free agent signing by them. They didn't pay a whole lot to get him. And he's put up a great year. He's only have a, has a decision in 11, six of his 11 games, but an ERA of three for a guy who's not paying that much and a veteran who's won. That's, I think, what this team needed. You know, they needed a veteran who's seen it all, won some big games, and Ryu is that guy. You know, combined with, Charlie Montoyo, new manager, he was very well-liked in Tampa Bay when he was their bench coach. They're looking like they got a strong chance to at least make it, if not, get that second seed. Yeah, the Toronto Blue Jays, uh, nothing nothing not to like about them right now. Um, they have an incredible lineup full of uh, young superstars. Um, if they're not there already, they're going to be. Uh, a lot like the Chicago White Sox. Um Ryu has definitely paced the rotation, uh, coming over and doing exactly what he was expected to, uh, coming over from L.A. Uh, a week ago, I think we, we could have said a lot more about the Blue Jays. They did hit a, a rough a rough patch, a six-game losing streak over the course of the week, but uh, winning the last game yesterday in Philadelphia to snap out of it, definitely a, a huge win for them. Um as you know, some thoughts might have been creeping in about the youth of that team and could they finish down the stretch. Uh, a big win yesterday, getting out of Philadelphia, 
salvaging uh, one of the games of that four-game series, um, holding a comfortable, uh, I believe it was a four-game lead at the end of yesterday in that uh, American League wild card, um, and then coming home and, and doing what they did to the Yankees uh, a little more than a week ago. They seem to have the Yankees number at home. Uh, they've been a, a very good team at home this year. Um, so it looks like the Blue Jays are definitely, uh, they lost the games at the right time, and they look like they put that behind them now. Um, they definitely see one win can do wonders for you, and they look like they have their confidence back tonight. Uh, they'll be in the playoffs, no doubt. Um, and they can make a run. They have the offense to do it. Uh, throw Ryu out there, and, and you could have a game. You know, you're as good as anybody. Uh, so look out for the Blue Jays for sure. Yeah, and I think the New York Yankees are a team you just discussed also. They had their rough stretch. They lost five in a row um, to Baltimore and Toronto. Then they come out and win the next nine um, before losing last night. They're a team that we, last week, were kind of questioning. what, Where were they? Where were they mentally? Is Aaron Boone a good guy to be leading them? But when you got a guy like Luke Voigt, who has always been a likable guy, kind of like, a happy guy. The media all loves to talk to him. He's funny. He cracks jokes in the press conference. He has fun out there. Now he's batting 286 with 21 home runs. You know, he's got more home runs than Sanchez, LeMayhew, um, Judge, Stanton. This guy's the guy pacing the New York Yankees offense, along with LeMayhew batting 361, which is just incredible, you know, the fact that the Rockies let him get away two years ago. Throw in Garrett Cole, who had a rough start in New York. Rough, rough start. You know, he really got knocked around. He's found his game, and so has really the rest of the Yankees pitching staff. Three guys qualifying with an ERA below 3.3. This team looks like they're also finding their stride right at the right time. Well, they've done all they needed to do. Um, and with, with the format the way it is and 60 games, uh, this season was about figuring it out for them uh, with some of their new guys, Garrett Cole specifically. Uh, and they seem to have done that. Uh, I think they've showed all they've need to sh needed to show. I still have them as the World Series favorite um, coming out of the American League. Um, and I think rightfully so. You look, they have a stacked lineup. I mean, just hitters up and down the lineup. Uh, they've really put it together, uh, winning nine straight games. I mean, what what more of a message do you need to send than that? Uh, Nine-game nine winning streak near the end of the season uh, for a team that was predicted to go to the World Series by many. Um, at the beginning of the season, definitely looking like they're in that form right now. I don't think they're going to catch the Rays. I think time's just going to run out on them. The Rays are also a fantastic team, and I really do think it's between the two of them to get to the World Series. Uh, you got to love what the Yankees have been able to do, really sending a message with that nine-game winning streak. Uh, really bad loss of Matt Chapman earlier for the Athletics. Uh, I think that's really going to hurt them come the postseason, but nothing but respect for what they've done, putting together an incredible season. They look like they're going to win the AL West in a matter of days. And the Chicago White Sox are looking like they're going to be the AL Central champions. Um, but really, I think this thing between the Rays and the Yankees, I think they have the best teams and the most postseason-ready teams, more importantly. Exactly. I think that last point you made is the most important, most postseason-ready. The White Sox, the A's, the Twins, these are all young teams that are performing very well. But when the Whites are the brightest, they've never been there. And... You know, Tampa Bay has, not nearly the extent of the Yankees who have spent tons of time there, but the National League has much more experience in the playoffs at the top. You know, the Cubs have been there, the Dodgers have been there, the Braves have been there. 
That's not really the case in the American League. You've got a lot more youth in the American League, which I think is exciting. It'll make for a fun playoffs, but again, I personally don't see Tampa Bay not making it to the World Series with that pitching staff and how they're just clicking so well. But if it is anyone else, it is definitely the Yankees. Um, all right, we are coming up. We have about 20 minutes left tonight. Um, any other thoughts on the MLB? Yeah, I gotta disagree with you. I gotta. I, I'm gonna take the Yankees. I took them at the beginning. I'm taking them at the end. I think they got the best team right now, all around. You can have all the pitching you want, but I just don't see how you shut down a lineup like that. All the Yankees need is a little bit of pitching to be able to shut down the Rays. I love the Rays. They're a great team. I think uh, they'll give the Yankees a run for their money. But ultimately, I got the Yankees coming out of the American League. But it's between those two for sure. So it's gonna be a great postseason. Both sides. Uh, it should be incredible uh, the next month or so. For sure. I think my main point with the why I go with the Rays is their consistency. They haven't lost more than two games in, or three games in a row this entire season. You know, they've just been consistently hot team. When the games are close, they also seem to come out on top. Um, and they're a team that knows we don't have a ton of cracks at this. We're a small market team. You know, guys like Kiermaier, and even Meadows, who have been there before and seen what it takes to get the Rays in a position to win, I think they'll want to come out you know, and prove to everyone that this is their time to win. But we did get some great news in other sports this week. College basketball will be coming back on November 25th. Um, we will definitely get a full breakdown, obviously, before the season comes in. But just your initial thoughts on how this season looks like it'll turn out and you know, right off the bat, what are your initial thoughts on potentially a bubble for March Madness? We've heard the ideas for like a every team in Division One plays a big tournament. It doesn't look like that'll happen. But I think it's just great that college basketball is back, and it looks like right before Thanksgiving we'll be getting a tip-off, and that'll coincide well with a lot of schools being done for break. The athletes can kind of stay almost in their own little bubbles on campus, and we'll get a really good Villanova basketball team to hit the floor this year. Oh, yeah, just incredible, incredible news. Um, definitely things a month or so ago, a month and a half ago, weren't looking too great for college sports, um, especially when the Big Ten canceled their football season. That was very scary um, in that I think a lot of a lot of college sports were going to be shut down for, the, for this academic year. Um, and then things seem to take a turn for the better. There are good plans in place. And uh, November 25th start, uh, I'm really excited about it. That was the best news I got this week. Uh, particularly good for this Villanova basketball team. Uh, definitely returning an incredible team to the floor. Uh, they were uh, number two in that in that one uh, yearbook ranking, or whatever it's called. Um, so, And I, I imagine when the actual AP rankings come out that they're going to be in a similar spot, uh, definitely looking like a top-five team to begin the year. Nothing not to like, even with the loss of Sadiq Bey. This team's going to be really good. They return a lot of a lot of talent across the board, um, and they, they run really deep. Uh, this might be a year where Jay Wright runs nine guys into the rotation, in and out. So... Um, and definitely you're going to have, you're going to see the best five at all times. Whoever's playing the best at the right time. That's what Jay Wright's able to do with a roster like this. You can play big with Eric Dixon and Demir Cosby Roundtree. Uh, you can play small with Caleb Daniels and Brian Antoine. So it's going to be interesting to see. They have a lot of weapons and it should be a really fun year for the cats. Uh, but just great to, to have it back. Exactly. And I think one of the key points that you just mentioned was all the returners in a year like this, they have been doing some sort of practice, but 
haven't had their same summer workouts as in the past. You know, think about if this was two years ago when Jay essentially was a brand new team. We could be looking at disaster. But right now, you have a very experienced coach. You have the vast majority of the players who know the system. You're really, your only new guys are Caleb Daniels, Brian Antoine, and Eric Dixon. But they were all there last year. You know, Antoine was hurt. Daniels was ineligible from his transfer, and Dixon was redshirting, but they all saw it all. They know exactly what's going on. None of these guys will need a ton of time to get acclimated with the system, which will be huge for this Villanova team as they look to really make a serious run. I saw ESPN um, had Villanova as a consensus top five. They were even at number one before Sadiq Bay left to the NBA. I think I saw them at three most recently. So this team is a serious contender. We just got to hope it stays together till March. But if college football is any indication, that seems to be going fine so far. No major problems in basketball should be significantly easier than that. Yeah, and definitely we've uh, there's been a lot of talk about a bubble uh, for March Madness, and I would definitely not be opposed to that idea. I think that might be the only way to, to make it work. It would definitely be the safest idea probably for for the personnel and the players. Um, so I would definitely love to see that. That would be really cool. It's, it's kind of almost like a bubble system already in so many different uh, arenas the way it is. It'll probably be more so this year, but uh, it's just great. The idea of having March Madness back uh, and half <laughs> the games, it doesn't feel like there's any fans in the stands anyway. So that's almost not even going to be noticeable. Um, so just, in, just an incredible um, thing for college basketball, for, for all these athletes, especially the seniors uh, on Villanova specifically, uh, three seniors who very well might all start. Um, so you definitely feel happiest for the seniors who, with all the uncertainty, it looks like they're definitely going to get their chance, uh, assuming everything goes well and everyone stays safe. Uh, fans don't look like a great possibility, but I think with the way 2020 is going, I think we're just happy to have some basketball. Exactly. There seemed to be real energy um, around after that announcement came out. I even ran into a couple of the players, just saw them in the grocery store, and you could tell the morale was definitely up after that announcement. You know, they come, they've been putting in the work, just hoping that they'll give an opportunity to show it off, and now it looks like that will be the case. All right, we are running up on the bottom of the hour here. It's time, means it is time for a sports update between, before one more segment, where we'll touch quickly on the NBA and the NHL. We will start on Monday Night Football with this update, where with two minutes and 29 seconds left, the Raiders have the ball in the red zone, but they trail 17-7 to to the New Orleans Saints. In the NHL, it is now middle of the second period, 13-24 to go. The Lightning still have a 3-0 lead over the Dallas Stars. That brings us to Major League Baseball, where we still have a lot of games in progress. The Nationals now have a 5-1 lead over the Phillies in the top of the eighth. The Indians are still holding their 7-4 lead. That game has just gone final over the White Sox. The Blue Jays have a 10-1 lead over the Yankees at the Rogers Center. In the Great American Ballpark in Cincinnati, it's the Reds 6 and the Brewers 1 in the 8th inning. The Cubs have a 2-0 lead over the Pirates in the 8th. Also in the 8th inning, the Rays are holding on to a 2-1 lead over the Mets, trying to get another game in between themselves and the New York Yankees. The Braves have a 5-3 lead over the Marlins in the 6th. The Cardinals up 1-0 over the Royals. And just underway out west, the Astros have a are tied 0-0 with the Mariners. And starting about 15 minutes from now, it'll be the Rockies over the Giants. Other games that went final today, the Angels had an 8-5 lead over the Rangers. That is your last WXVU Sports headlines of the night. Make sure you 
catch up on the entire show, any parts you may have missed, up on Spotify by tomorrow night when the podcast gets up. Just search Spin Around Sports and you will find it on Spotify, Anchor, and wherever else podcasts are found. Those are your WXVU Sports headlines. We will be transitioning in now to talk about the NBA. No games tonight, but we are now fully into the conference final. We have the Lakers with their dramatic win last night over the Denver Nuggets. Anthony Davis hitting the game-winning three to go along with his 31 points and 9 rebounds. Your thoughts on this Lakers team is they seem to just be overpowering the Nuggets. Yeah, well, uh, it really comes down to Anthony Davis. I think that was pretty obvious uh, from the very beginning of the season. Um, if Anthony Davis is able to be Anthony Davis, then this team is going to be fine. And for Anthony Davis to come up with a clutch game winner like that, um, that that's just such great news for Lakers fans. That's exactly... Uh, the Anthony Davis that they need that they need him to be, and he was able to get it done. Uh, really, just uh, he's been unbelievable for them, uh, hitting the game-winning shot, huge. Um, LeBron James also doing the rest, and uh, they're a fairly deep team, also, which uh, is going to help them a lot um, moving forward. Uh, they just look like, as you said, they're overpowering everyone right now. Um, I don't think the Nuggets can afford to get down three games to one this series. Um, I think it's definitely imperative for them to win the next one, or at least one of the next two to keep pace, uh, two of the next three, ideally, uh, because I think if the Lakers get this thing to 3-1, there's, I just cannot see them losing three games in a row to anybody. Uh, they've overpowered the rest of the NBA all season, and they continue to do so in the bubble. Um, just they, they just look better. They look better than all these teams. Nuggets a great effort, obviously, in game one, just coming up a little short, but... This Lakers team is going to be tough to beat if Anthony Davis is uh, stepping up and making plays like that. Exactly. This Nuggets team has done a great story in the bubble. They were a team certainly on the rise, but not expected to be at this point just yet. You know, Nikola Jokic again had 30 points, but it needs to be more than just him and Jamal Murray. You had talked about how deep this Lakers team was. We're starting to see how little depth is on the Denver Nuggets. You know, Michael Porter Jr. had a decent game off the bench, but they're going to need more from Gary Harris, Paul Millsap, all of their other guys who are in their rotation getting big minutes. You can't be playing 28 minutes, grabbing six points if you're Paul Millsap. You know, he's got to be a bigger part of the offense, and he just hasn't been for them. We're running kind of low on time, so we'll shift to the East where we have a 2-1 Miami lead the Celtics did just grab Game 3 in pretty convincing fashion. We had just talked off the air about how the Celtics have had big leads in all three of these games, and, you know, they let the first two slip away. This is a series that I think is still theirs to lose. Um, you know, Gordon Hayward came back for Game 3. He didn't put up huge offensive numbers. But that didn't matter. The Celtics had four guys over 20 points, um, Brown, Tatum, Walker, and Smart. And there was clearly something that went down. There was a lot of screaming coming out of their locker room after game two. People were angry. Stuff was said. And they came out ready to go. And, you know, they had this big lead, and they did not let it slip away. Brad Stevens' teams always start off hot, whether they can withstand that second quarter. And I think right now, even though the Heat are still up 2-1, they're a much more one-dimensional team, you know. If you can stop Jimmy Butler, you got a good chance of stopping the Heat. And I think that this Celtics team, you know, Tyler Hero, he's had a couple good games. He's still a rookie, you know. 
We'll see if he can make that ha continue. If he can, awesome, great for him, but I still don't see a way where Miami wins this series. Two, two people you really have to give a lot of credit to. Uh, let's just give them the credit they deserve right now. Eric Spolster and Jimmy Butler. Uh, just doing an absolutely outstanding job in Miami. Uh, Spolster really, especially him, doing an unbelievable job with a team that really I don't think was expected to be anywhere near the Eastern Conference Finals at the beginning of the season. Uh, Jimmy Butler took a lot of heat around the Philly area for you know, not wanting to win, and uh, he definitely silenced a lot of those critics, um, me being one of them. Uh, the Heat have definitely gone a lot farther than I ever expected them to, and I think uh, a lot of people would agree. Um, and Spolster has done an outstanding job with all of them. Uh, Tyler Hero, as you said, he's been amazing. Uh, but I think it's pretty obvious looking at these two teams that the Boston Celtics are the superior team. Um, I do agree. It's still their series to lose. If they if they didn't find a way to win game three, that was a must-win game. I don't think they would have been able to win that. I think the series would have been over. So they saved their season, and they might have just actually earned themselves. It's a little early to say this, but uh, I think they might have earned themselves a trip to the NBA Finals with a game three win there. Uh, they've had the lead in every game, but they found a way to put it together, and the Heat did try to mount a comeback at the end. It did fall just a little bit short. Um Kemba Walker uh, made an outstanding shot there at the end. Uh, Jason Tatum just continues to be a, a big-time player for the Boston Celtics. Uh, and they just have too much talent uh, across the board. Uh, Gordon Hayward coming back has been huge, and I think uh, that definitely installed a lot of confidence in that team, uh, led by what I believe is the best coach in the NBA and Brad Stevens. Uh, you expected them to figure it out if they got the lead, and they did just that. They've been, I think, the better team through the first three games, despite not winning two of them. And I think you'll start to see it even out a little more now. Um, look for look for Boston to take charge these next few games. For sure. And quick going into the NHL, we got game two of the Stanley Cup final underway right now. Dallas, I think a lot of people thought had no business being here. And going into the bubble, I don't think it would have been crazy to have said that. Anton Hedobin is the backup goalie has put this team on his back. We've seen 20-year-old Miro Heiskanen be the favorite now for the Consumite Trophy on defense with 16 points, I believe, in this playoff. They come out, they win a pretty decisive game one over Tampa Bay. For the first time, looked a little unsure of themselves. Tampa Bay, though, has proven that they are still the best team in the NHL tonight. Coming out to a 3-0 lead. They got their captain, Steven Stamkos, so close to being back after he has not played the entire time in the bubble. But he's been with them. He's been fighting along with them, trying to get back. They go back to the more conventional tw conventional 12 forwards, six defensemen without Zach Bogosian tonight. Um, Jan Ruda being back for the first time since the play-in series is a pretty big boost for them. And, you know, their stars have showed up. Andre Palat, Braden Point, both on the score sheet. This is another series where it looks like Dallas started off hot, maybe got the best of them. But, you know, if Anton Hedobin's not standing on his head, which... He hasn't been tonight. It's going to be really tough for Dallas to beat this unbelievable Tampa Bay team. Well, how about, I've never heard his name before, but uh, what's his name? Antoine Hadobin? Yeah. What a game he had in game one. Um, just making some outstanding saves uh, left and right. Um, and really just, I think, I think it was obvious he had it from the very beginning. And I think that rubbed off on a lot of Stars players. Uh, they definitely looked it throughout the game. Um, and they, they just were able to play a little more relaxed against uh, a team that's that's really on a mission in that Tampa Bay Lightning team. 
um, and going out and beating them and uh, beating them with ease. But uh, I think he definitely expected Tampa Bay to make the adjustments. Uh, they didn't really have much time to rest. Um, so whereas Dallas had a little bit longer of a layoff. Um, so I think you're seeing that come in fruition tonight. I don't see how Tampa Bay doesn't win this series, but uh, a great effort in game one by the Stars. Uh, I think they're going to be there. I think they have, uh, they've gotten themselves with that game one win, at least another one in this uh, in this finals but it looks like tampa bay is the superior team um but you never know in hockey i mean it, you can never really call it especially at this point in the finals um but this tampa bay team just looks like they're on a mission uh but they definitely have a tough test with the stars uh we'll see how it goes uh they uh definitely both teams looking great right now so we'll see yeah exactly this series is definitely far from over i would personally put tampa in six we've had some breaking news actually while we've been on the air tonight Michael Jordan and Denny Hamlin have combined to buy the charter from Jermaine Racing. They will be starting their own racing team next year. Um, this has been rumored that Denny Hamlin was trying to do this, but with the four-car rule for Hamlin to stay at Joe Gibbs Racing and have um, his own car technically being their fifth car, that would potentially have caused a problem, but NASCAR has allowed it because Michael Jordan will um, be technically the majority owner of the car. And it'll be Bubba Wallace racing for them after he announced that he is leaving Richard Petty Motorsports. It's a huge shakeup in the NASCAR world. Um, we knew Bubba would be looking for a new ride next year. But the fact that this actually went down, now Michael Jordan with a huge inflection of cash into this team. You know, Jermaine Racing had gone bankrupt. That's why they were selling their team charter. And to have Denny Hamlin who's a favorite to win the Cup Series this year. You know, they don't have a number or a sponsor just yet Bubba did have his own sponsorship deals that'll probably carry over but huge news in the NASCAR world tonight very good for the sport too that's unbelievable definitely I don't know a whole lot about racing but I feel like if Michael Jordan's involved you got a good chance of winning uh that's that's crazy <laughs> yeah good for Bubba Wallace too as they go down to the round of 12 again he is not in the playoffs but he will now have a ride for next season um as we look forward to that all right, we have a couple minutes left. Any final thoughts, Ryan, on tonight's show? Uh, just really looking forward to college basketball. I know we've been spoiled with all these sports right now, but uh, especially uh, with, with our Wildcats bringing back uh, almost everybody and playing their best basketball at the end of the season last season. Um, I'm, the sky's the limit for this team. I'm really excited to watch them go to work, uh, especially Justin Moore. Uh, the, his improvement over the course of the season was outstanding. He definitely looks like a guy who's going to go pro after maybe three years if he keeps it up the way he finished the year. Uh, huge for them, especially in that Seton Hall game. Uh, getting that win at the end of the season to complement the Kansas win earlier, uh, along with some other good ones throughout the season. Um, the sky's the limit for this team. And, you know, with them knowing how to play so well with each other, uh, I can't wait, to, can't wait to watch them. Uh, we all need some college basketball. It's going to be great over break. Can't wait. Exactly, yep. Next show, we will certainly um, try to get much more of a longer-term uh, look into this basketball season. Right now, there's so much going on in the MLB and NFL. Right now, there just isn't time, especially with these shortened shows, but I think for me, too, it's just college season, you know. we Right now, we know what sports we have now, but it's always been, what will next season look like for the NBA, for the NHL? We still don't know. You know, what will the future look like for college basketball? We have some clarity now. We're getting college basketball. You know, no fans hasn't been officially announced yet, but it's probably what's going to happen. But with the games being over break, you know, it won't be too much of a difference. Um, 
for a lot of us anyway. And it, I think everyone would rather have no fans and have basketball than have no basketball at all. And this Villanova team is just in such good shape for this year that it's impossible not to be unbelievably excited to see what they can do with all these returners, all this experience, but also a lot of internal competition now. We talked about, you know, your three quote-unquote new guys in Antoine uh, Dixon and Daniels. They're going to compete for minutes, and there's only so many minutes that can go around this internal competition could fuel this team even farther forward. Yeah, you know, you're going to always have the best unit on the floor at all times. Um, you can, you know, you have the best, the most energetic unit out there also. If uh, somebody gets tired, you can easily replace them because you have just about every position uh, ready and waiting to come in. And that's huge over the course, you know, in those dog days of February. Uh, is That's when that's really going to be important for this Villanova team. And I also can't wait to see uh, where Sadiq goes in this NBA draft. Um I heard it's going to be in November. I hadn't heard anything about it, but uh, I'm definitely excited for that. I wish the Sixers would get him, but that looks unlikely. But he'd be he'd be a perfect uh, acquisition for, for a team that desperately needs somebody who can play some defense, rebound, shoot, do it all. Um, definitely one of the safer picks in the draft. Exactly. I think any team that gets Sadiq Bay will have found an excellent uh, fit for their team. Um, it's hard to see him not having success in the NBA. All right, we are unfortunately out of time here on the Spin Around Sports. Ryan, another great show. Always a fun time. Always awesome. Thank you to all of our listeners. We had our most listened to show ever tonight. So thank you to all of you. If you were unable to catch part of the show or want to just listen again, we'll be up on Spotify, Anchor, hopefully iTunes, and anywhere else you can find podcasts. Um, goal is to have that up by tomorrow night. You can check that out by searching Spin Around Sports. And we will talk to you same time next week, 8.30 p.m. Eastern on 89.1 FM WXVU Villanova Radio.